Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. If we think of some of these statements in terms of the modern situation, and we look at what's being said, the insults of Moab, the taunts of the Ammonites, the threats they made uh, against the land, these ancient enemies of Israel have modern-day counterparts. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on the book of Zephaniah. Now here's Pastor Brian. We know from the New Testament, from the book of Revelation and so forth, uh, even from Matthew 25, uh, 24 and 25, that when Jesus comes back, he will gather the nations together. So there will be people still that survive those judgments. So chapter two, gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect and that day passes like wind-blown chaff. Before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you, seek the Lord all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. So these words, I think, are directed at the time. They're directed to those people that have responded to the efforts of Josiah to purge the land of idolatry. So if you go back in, in Second Chronicles and you read the, the last few chapters and you read the story of Josiah there, it was really amazing what happened with Josiah, how he began to seek the Lord personally. I mentioned that last week. And then how he began to institute reforms and they started cleaning up the, the temple And the temple had been used for various idolatrous things during the reign of Manasseh and so forth. So they're cleaning up the temple and Hilkiah finds a copy of the law. Now, this is what's mind-blowing. They had never seen a copy of the law. And Hilkiah finds uh, this copy of the law and he takes it to Josiah and he says, we found this in the temple. And he starts to read it to Josiah. And as he reads it to Josiah, Josiah rips his clothes and he's, he's lamenting before God because as, as the law is being read, he's seeing how clearly they have broken God's law over and over again. And so Josiah begins to, to cry out to the Lord and the Lord sends him to the prophet Tess Holda. And he comes to Holda, this woman who is a prophet, and she begins to prophesy over him. And she says, because your heart was tender, because when you heard the word of the Lord, you were moved by it. God is, he sees that. And, you know, she goes on to say that he's not gonna, he will not be the one uh, whom 
Nebuchadnezzar conquers. He will not live to see that, that kind of judgment. But, but anyway, Josiah, in his zeal, he not only cleansed Jerusalem and Judea, but he then started going to all of the different parts of the land, and he went all the way up in the north to Naphtali. Now, if you remember, the northern part of the country had fallen to the Assyrians a long time ago. But there were still Israelites in the land, but there were Assyrians in the land. It was like a different country now. But Josiah goes into these parts of the northern kingdom, and he goes bringing those reforms. He goes tearing down their idolatrous worship places, and he goes reminding them about the law of God and calling people to put their faith back in Yahweh. And so there really is this revival that takes place under Josiah. And I think it's these are the people that he is addressing here. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. And the prophet is calling them to seek the Lord that perhaps there might be an extension of mercy toward the nation. And this is a good word for us, for all of us who believe in Jesus as, as we're in the midst of this land that is racing toward judgment, what can we do? Well, we can seek the Lord. We can call out to God. We can ask God to intervene and, and believe that he will do something in our days. So I, I'm not going to belabor this because I've said this over and over again, but let's just have that kind of confidence that God even if the United States of America, even if the doom of this nation is sealed, that that doesn't mean that we will not still in the future see times and seasons of God's mercy poured out throughout the land. I, I think that we will. But do we think that, that we will see that? You see, that's where the faith comes in. If I think I'm going to see that, then I'm praying for it. And I'm asking God to do it. And I'm looking for where I might see it begin to take place. And so that's the posture that, that we need to be in during these days. So Gaza will be abandoned. Ashkelon left in ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied and Ekron uprooted. These are all the Philistine cities. They're on the, the southwest coast of the country. Woe to you who live by the sea, you Karathite people. The word of the Lord is against you. Canaan, land of the Philistines. He says, I will destroy you and none will be left. The land by the sea will become pastures, having wells for shepherds and pens for flocks, that land will belong to the remnant of the people of Judah. And there they will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. So as we've seen many times before, there's judgment, 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 and then a glimpse of mercy. Judgment, 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 and then a promise that God will yet work. So I have heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites. 
who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Now, we, t- we talked about this before, but let me just remind you geographically. So if you were on, well, let, let's just say you're on the western side of the Jordan River at Jericho. And if you look across the river at there to the other side of the Jordan River, this would be the land in those days of Ammon, of Moab, and of Edom. So that whole stretch that goes all the way up on the northern side to across almost to the Galilee, not quite that far up. And then to the south, it all runs along the Dead Sea, all, all the way down to where the, the Red Sea uh, comes in and, and the Gulf there. So that is, historically, that is Ammon and Moab and Edom. Now, these were the enemies of the Israelites, especially during the, um, well, before they went into the land, they were opposed by each of these people. And then for a long, long time, these, the battles took place with them during the times of the judges and all the way up through the time of David. Now, at the time of Josiah, uh, these nations aren't really a threat anymore because they've been conquered themselves. They've been conquered by the Assyrians. They've been conquered, in some cases, by the Egyptians. And so, but here's the, here's the point that I'm making. These are the historic names of that geographical area. Today, that is Jordan. That whole area is the land of Jordan today. So if we think of some of these statements in terms of the modern situation, and we look at what's being said, the insults of Moab, the taunts of the Ammonites, the threats they made uh, against the land, Moab will become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place of weeds and salt pits and so on. You know, these ancient enemies of Israel have modern-day counterparts. There's still hostility coming from these different areas where these ancient peoples were from. And so some of this, I mean, it's, it's really relevant to what we hear today. I just saw a quote from one of the leading Hamas guys who said simply, we want the entire land. They want the whole land. They want every Israeli out of the land. They want it for themselves. And I think, wow, that, that's, that's a pretty bold statement. And people wonder why there's, how come you guys can't just settle this and get along? Well, they could settle it if they just packed up and left, then that would be the end of it because that's what, that's what they want. But that rhetoric comes from Hamas and Gaza. Uh, it comes from Hezbollah in the north, and it comes from the other nations across the Jordan as well and down, of course, into Saudi Arabia and these other places and then obviously Iran and, and so forth. So these ancient 
conflicts have their modern day manifestations. The Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the earth. Distant nations will bow down to him, all of them in their own lands. The Cushites, too, will be slain by the sword. Cush is the area of Sudan. So just an interesting factor here. Assyria then is next mentioned. You know, the, the common denominator in all of these surrounding countries we know is Islam. That is, that is, the, that is the thing that binds them all. They're, they're different people groups, actually, but they're different tribes. But the uniting factor is Islam. And it's, of course, Islam itself has an agenda for conquering the whole world, but especially its immediate area there in the Middle East. So, but he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, leaving Nineveh utterly desolate and dry as the desert. Flocks and herds will lie down there, creatures of every kind, the desert owl, the screech owl, will roost on her columns. Their hooting will echo through the windows. Rubble will fill the doorways. The beams of cedar will be exposed. This is the city of revelry that lived in safety. She said to herself, I am the one and there is none beside me. What a ruin she has become, a lair for wild beasts. All who pass by her scoff and shake their fist. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. So this is Jerusalem now that is being spoken of. That was the reference early, just before that was, was Assyria, uh, Nineveh. So now to Jerusalem. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. So that's the state of Jerusalem at the time of Zephaniah's prophecy. Just even though Josiah has done what he could do in bringing about reforms, and there have been these little points of light where people have responded, yet the general attitude remains one of rebellion. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her rulers are evening wolves who leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are undisciplined. They are treacherous people. Her priests profane the sanctuary and do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning, he dispenses his justice. And every new day, he does not fail. Yet the unrighteous know no shame. So the condition, uh, everything was corrupt. That's the point. And everything was corrupt to the prophet's they were unprincipled and they're treacherous. The priests are profane. They profane the sanctuary. They do violence to the law. So it's it, it just the corruption is it just completely permeated the entire nation of Judah. That's why the judgment is coming. 
I have destroyed nations. Their strongholds are demolished. I have left their streets deserted with no one passing through. Their cities are laid waste and they are deserted and empty. Of Jerusalem, I thought, surely you will fear me and accept correction. Then her place of refuge would not be destroyed, nor all my punishments come upon her. But they were still eager to act corruptly in all that they did. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day I will stand up to testify. I have decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms, and to pour out my wrath on them. All my fierce anger, the whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. So once again, the judgment that's coming on, on Judah and Jerusalem, but it's, it's extending out. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing how in a relatively short amount of time here in, in the West and in America in particular, how we've come to a place where there is no longer a, a concept of sinning against God. And sin itself is, is not a term that anybody would use, although, you know, people accuse other people of falling short of their standard all the time. That's what's going on with what we call cancel culture. You get canceled because you're not living up to the moral standard that somebody has set. But nobody, of course, is going to call that sin because that just sounds too much like the Bible. But, but the thought, I mean, how many people think in terms of what I am doing is offending God. Unless there's some convicting work of the Spirit, people aren't thinking in those terms. I, I mean, you know, just the, just the things that we hear people say and the things that people are doing. And I was talking to my good friend, Tommy Coda. Many of you know Tommy. And, you know, Tommy's pastoring, right? down the road. But anyway, you know, Tommy has, um, he's really been connected with the, the school district, the Santa Ana School District, Santa Ana Unified. He's very involved with um, the city government and all, all those people. You know, Tommy is like, he's their guy. He's their go-to guy. Because of his background, because he was a gang guy, because he was in prison, because God changed his life and turned him into, you know, this wonderful person. So whenever there's a problem, it's like, you know, like the bat phone goes to Tommy <laughs> and the mayor or the chairman of the school board or whatever, or the police chief, hey, Tommy, we need you. But, you know, as, as a result of that, he's, he's kind of on the inside of a lot of things that are going on. And He's told me this numerous times because it's happened over and over again. But we were just talking the other day and he was telling me about this young 15-year-old kid that was just shot dead. And the thing about these, the more personal side of it is there, there have been three or four kids that have been gunned down, shot dead, 
gang-related stuff. But these kids, Tommy for years did, um, he did release time education where we'd take a school bus and go to the elementary schools. The kids would come in, eat their lunch, hear a Bible story. And Tommy did that for years. Four of these boys that have been shot dead were kids that went through that program. And kids that were on the periphery of, you know, kind of in that tug of war between, yeah, I know I should follow Jesus, but I've got this world over here, this gang world. But anyway, I'm a little bit off track. My point is, Tommy was just telling me, though, about the callousness of these kids who murder other kids. It's, it's, like, it's like playing a video game. They don't, even think, they don't even think anything about it. They just go out and shoot you to death, and then they go on about their business. And that, that's a frightening thing, that the hearts of people are that hardened. And so as we live in this world where there is no sense of, of judgment that's coming, there's no conviction that these things are wrong, they've been brought up in a hyper-relativistic worldview and this this kind of thing is the kind of thing that will you know finally leads to a judgment and so god help us god help us to to pray and to seek him because again there might be a reprieve. We pray that there is. But God's going to judge all the nations, he says. He's assembled them together to pour out his wrath on them. Then I will, verse 9, purify the lips of the peoples that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. So God is going to judge the world. The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. Then I will purify the lips of the people. So in different prophecies, I think of Isaiah 13, where God is talking about in his judgment, he says, I'm going to purge the world of the rebels, the sinners, that, that's what's being purged out. And then God is going to bring about his kingdom. He's going to establish his kingdom and purify the lips of the people that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson. We live in a world where even Christians are enamored by those who call themselves influencers and leaders who are striving to build their platforms. 
But as the world focuses its attention upon how to become influencers and leaders, Jared C. Wilson will bring you back to the place of the priority of learning to follow Jesus. Have you become frustrated with the promises of experienced Christian growth if you just knew the five things that would help or the next five steps to take, only to find you're still in a place of defeat? Are you ready to experience Jesus in a way that's gospel-centered? Are you ready to bring your messiness to Jesus? Well, in his book, The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together, Jared C. Wilson will help you understand true discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus by the grace of God. You will find freedom from the to-do list discipleship, and you will be encouraged by the realities of what Jesus has already done. Discipleship is essential for spiritual growth and following Jesus. So if you want help demystifying discipleship so you can experience what it means to follow Jesus, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Zephaniah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.